Getting Inclusive, a podcast dedicated to spreading the cues for building healthier relationships with ourselves, our partners, and our peers. Cues, or Community Empowerment Services, is an ever-developing organization based on Long Island, run by me, Dina. Each episode, I'll be touching in on a new topic focused on social change and laying the pavement towards preventing future instances of power-based personal violence. Lean in and let's get inclusive. Hello there, my name is Dina and welcome to the sixth episode of Getting Inclusive. We are here today with a great friend of mine, Evan. Hi, I'm Evan, <laughs> the great friend of Dina. Um, we're sitting here in a new space today, a space I'm not totally used to, so if the sound is a little different, um, get used to it. <laughs> um, because this is actually where my partner and I will be moving in the summer. Very exciting. We're in this beautiful plant room. I actually wish you could all experience this. Uh, Evan is a plant daddy, and he has many a plant. How many how many plants do you currently have in the room? Uh, including the string of pearls that I purchased today. <laughs> I think I'm up to 33, 33 plants in this room. That is wild. I bought one pansy, and I killed it. Not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I went through the gardener's stage last week, just for a few days, and... Um, I killed the one flower that I had, but you know, we're going to work through it. Life goes on. Life goes on. We grow through it. (laughs) So Evan is here today to talk about a few things. We're going to kind of keep it open-ended, not too many like guiding questions. And, but I just wanted Evan to kind of start off by telling you a little bit about himself and what he does and what he likes and what he doesn't like and whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm Evan. I am a 30-year-old native to Brooklyn who just moved to Long Island, and it's like a huge culture shock. Yeah. Um, I've worked in cheese and beer retail for a really, really long time, something I kind of fell into because like everyone else in this capitalistic world, we need to get paid in order to pay our bills, and I've just kind of stuck with it. Um and yeah, that's me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so what do you like to do for fun besides work? What are some of your interests? Um, a lot of what I like to do involves obviously like caring for plants. It's mm-hmm. like a passion of mine is like I've come to find a lot of like value and contentment from just like watching life bloom around me. I love to write. Like writing and like reading has always been super important to me because I think that the most powerful ability at at least my fingertips is the way that I shape and use language and how I interact with other people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my days off involve like just staring at my plants and reading books and writing bad poetry and writing a book that will possibly be finished in a year or two. Yay. I don't know. Hey, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. Evan has a lot of skills and I hope to be at that level one day of enjoying things like that. Um, but my favorite skill of Evans is his cheesemongerness. It is incredible. We're I'm staring at a wedge of really nice cheese right now. Yeah, that is um, Old Chatham's Camembert. It's a mixed sheep and cow's milk, ooey gooey lover boy. It's super oh. buttery and decadent. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed. My lactose intolerance is not, but you know, I always bring my lactate <laughs> to this house. All right, so I kind of wanted to start off today by talking a little bit about 
um, the protest last week. I think I mentioned it in the last episode that there was going to be a protest um, against this local bar, the Clifton. And I said I wanted to do a little update, a little media update. And I think it would be good to kind of talk about what that was like. So Evan and I were both there with our partners and friends. And it was there was a really good turnout. I was really excited to see that. A lot of coming together of lots of walks of life. And very quickly. Very quickly. People really came together quick. And it was really wonderful to see that. Um, the Clifton, the bar, they uh, put out this statement, like I had mentioned, and it was kind of this like half ass, I'm sorry, but not really. And then they had put up all of these signs and had t-shirts made that said, fuck the Clifton. And it was like their way of trying to say like, sorry, like trying to reach out, but what it came off, like no one walked over there. No one wanted their like t-shirts and they were like, oh, you know, come in for a drink after the protest. We want this to create this like space. And everyone was kind of like, I don't think so. You know, there was still no real accountability there. Um, yeah, not to mention that anyone who would go for that free drink would also be potentially giving more business to that place. So exactly. I'm not entirely sure why they were trying to make more money off of something that like they fucked up on. Yep. So it was a really interesting event. Um, what came from that, I think, was a lot of people came together and realized that like Long Island really needs more space for advocacy and especially for LGBTQ rights. Um, so there's been a lot of like talk about that. A Facebook group popped up. I think it's called We Deserve Better. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. there's just been like a lot of sharing of feelings and openness. And there's, there's this like new safe space that I think has always been there. But this kind of event pushed it together. So even though what the Clifton did was fucked up and not OK, um, I think that it something really important came out of it. And it's cool to see it happening right here in Patchogue. So um, I'm excited for the future of, of that group and to see what we can all do together. It's pretty cool. So yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about gender identity a little bit and masculinity. So stick with us. Thanks for sticking around with us today on Getting Inclusive. Again, I'm here with Evan, and we are going to be talking about a, a bunch of different things today, but we're going to kind of be focusing more on masculinity. We talked about how this might be like part two of uh, the episode with Rob, my partner, um, but exploring different kind of different themes. So the reason why I started this podcast, obviously, is to call people into conversations and inspire conversations with my listeners about rape culture. And as you know, rape culture and rape and sexual assault and domestic violence aren't isolated incidents. There are things that have a foundational level in things like 
intolerance, judgments, transphobia, racism, strict gender roles. So the things that we talk about on this podcast, sometimes you might feel as though they're not directly connected to like rape and sexual assault themselves, but I promise they are. (laughs) And I promise this is all intentional. It's to start getting those conversations started so you feel comfortable again, like calling someone into a conversation, obviously not having the same conversation that we are, but getting some ideas of how you might be able to bring it up with someone who might not be like-minded. So far on this podcast, I'm going to openly say all of the people I've had are like-minded to myself or similar-minded. And so I will be moving into conversations that are more difficult. I just have to find those people because I tend to push them out of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I will um, be having more difficult conversations and hoping that that inspires you to have the same uh, kind of, you know, stride in your life. I know a lot of awful people you can talk to oh, if this you're ever looking great, for something. Great, great. Yes, absolutely. Send them my way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so just to kind of jump into it, um, the reason why I have Evan here is Evan, I feel like, is one of the like coolest guys that I've ever met. I, I really feel like he has this perspective of gender and masculinity and femininity that I didn't even know existed before. And I really like look up to him in a lot of ways, but I wanted him to share a little bit about um, his perspective on gender identity and what masculinity really is to him and what femininity is to, as well. So I think... A lot of my perspective comes from a position of privilege. Um, it's it's really weird for me because the way that I grew up is, I know you're not sitting there, this is audio, but like, <laughs> uh, I'm always described as exotic because I'm a blend of Mexican, Native American, and Vietnamese. I'm also adopted by a white Caucasian woman and a Japanese man, and I grew up in Park Slope. And if you haven't been to Park Slope, it's a pretty stush area. (laughs) Uh, A lot of uh, baby carriages and a lot of wealth. Um, So the way I was raised was with a lot of privilege. I never really had to struggle aside from some other like mental disorders I was diagnosed with as a child, such as uh, like ADHD and depression. So it's like a whole big melting pot of things that like made me into who I am, especially in terms of uh, gender norms, because it's easy, I think, when you're comfortable, when you don't have to struggle with the next meal that's going to be on the table, like you don't have to worry about as much racism or sexism, especially being like male, that coming to conclusions about the ideas of like gender, masculinity, and femininity are were easier for me because I could read about them, I could understand them, and I could engage with people who were open to have those conversations with me, which is where I came about with these ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel like not having those opportunities to like understand and uh, I guess learn more about like gender identity and masculinity and femininity how do you feel like that lack of access could affect a person I think it's hard because when there's uh, something I learned a lot from Sid and and, uh, as a footnote a lot of my knowledge about (laughs) intersectionality and identity I learned a lot from my partner who is non-binary and and really helped me understand like the words to describe these things and really understand the perspective of this Um, so I think that 
when you're faced with all these other struggles, it's hard to like figure out yourself when you're trying to figure out how to just like be happy or to survive or to like pay your rent. So like it's easy for someone who is queer and famous to come out and like be comfortable being who they are because they can just go about their lives with a lot of like wealth and power and avoid situations that challenge that. But when you're poor or you're a person of color and maybe you're growing up in a neighborhood that's not Park Slope, to come out and like be wearing like a skirt or like painting your nails or like trying to explore those things, like you can just get your ass kicked. Mm -hmm. And I say that as someone who has gotten their ass kicked for expressing certain feminine um, like behaviors or or behaviors that I would consider feminine based on how society considers them feminine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How do you think those like moments have, have shaped you? Has it made you be like, I want to run back to my man box or (laughs) have you felt like Um, I'm uncomfortable or... Almost the, absolutely uncomfortable, but it's almost the exact opposite. Um, there's so much like in my life that has shaped me. I was like very much a part of like the DIY punk community. I was a skater, um, so a lot of like my opinions. I was the way I grew up culturally came from like a resistance that was like I don't give a shit what you think about me. Like I'm gonna just make <laughs> it a little bit louder, but. Then what happens is, like, if you're, like, in the yard, like, skating with some people you've never skated before, and some of them are challenging you and, like, calling you faggot, and, like, you, like, start to, like, cry because you know, like, it's a really stressful situation that's perfectly ordinary to be, like, really upset, and then, like, your best friend of, like, eight years is, like, don't be a bitch, and then I, like, like, felt worse, and then this other kid beat the shit out of me, you know, it just, like, kind of happens, and the way that shaped me was, like, learning how to navigate around those situations and, like, trying to be more proud of me. But I think being from a part of, um, being from privilege and having the opportunities of, like, a home that was comfortable that I can go and feel safe in, that allowed me to process those emotions in a way that, like, shaped me to say, like, no, I'm not wrong. Like, they were wrong. Mm -hmm. But if I was going back to a place where I didn't feel safe, then I might respond to those things and say, like, well, maybe I shouldn't be such a bitch. Mm -hmm. And... So, like, I'm very lucky and fortunate that I had the space to, like, really think about, like, whether or not I was in the wrong in certain moments. And I had the opportunity to, like, come out of them and grow and say, like, no, I'm not wrong. Like, society's fucked up and Mm -hmm. I just need to learn how to, like, navigate around the assholes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how was the transition? Because you you keep talking about how Brooklyn, like, really provided that space for you. Um, How do you feel like Long Island compares Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's like the worst place um, I've ever lived, but uh-huh. also the best place I've ever lived mm-hmm. because I'm living with Sid, who's the love of my life, and mm-hmm. I always want to be around oh. him all the time. <laughs> so that's why I moved, was I said, well, I'm not going to fuck this up. I'm going to Long Island. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But it was a rough year because um, there was like, like I just said, and like Dina just said, like there's just like not a lot of safe spaces. And I think circling back to the rally at the Clifton, it was really important because it showed a lot of these disparate groups that there are safe spaces out there as long as we connect over whether it's social media or like rallies that to like find our people and like be able to like go back and process these things and like understand like how to continue to fight the good fight and also be proud of who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I think advocacy is so important. And I think that's so cool when we, when I talk to Sid, Sid is Evan's partner, Sid, was in episode three, I believe, Who Needs Gender Anyway. That was, that's the connection. Um, and they really wanted to come back to Long Island to create safer spaces, to create an island where 
the LGBT community felt welcome and didn't feel as, you know, like pushed aside. Um, and I think that's, that's such an amazing, and I mentioned this in that episode, but I think that's so amazing that they kind of like did that selfless act. Um, yeah, they're both, the best. I mean, they're just the best. <laughs> <laughs> and you both did, you both did because, you know, this isn't the most comfortable place too. And I don't find myself super comfortable and I know my partner doesn't it, my partner doesn't either. So it's something that I think we all kind of work on in our own ways. And while Sid is out there advocating in a social work kind of realm, um, I think what's so interesting is that you are doing it on this like, like stealthy, like really awesome way. And I kind of wanted you to expand a little bit about how in your workplace um, you touch on these kinds of topics in a place that is like, you know, pretty open to the public that anyone works there. It's not a a social work or human services organization. How has that kind of been for you? Well, like it's retail and it's just, what I do is like micro social work almost is Mm -hmm. the way that Sid and I talk about it is Sid is out there trying to change the world for the better. And what I try and do is engage with people one-on-one that I observe in a way that I hope (laughs) to affect change to make them into either being better or being less of an asshole or -hmm. at least just like showing up for like folks that I work with or folks that I see that there's like an ally out there who won't just like step aside or just be the person who like afterwards is just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You went, went through that when in the moment as someone who has power and someone who is, is male uh, that I, I could jump in. And while I'm like the least aggressive person you'll ever meet, it's been a very long time since I've been in a fight. Like I could still advocate on behalf of those who are suffering under like a lot of like the shittiness that society dumps on the way that we expect people to act or dress. Yeah, Absolutely. And do you have any like stories or an example or anything that, or of a oh, time? Hundreds. Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. Share, um, share. <laughs> I think people have asked me that a lot. And I think the, the, the story that shows up the most in my mind is like another manager and I have always had like a, this longstanding beef because he is a very masculine guy. You know, he loves his sneakers. He loves his cars. He loves hard work. And he's a generally like really nice, really intelligent, really cool dude. But he's still like a hyper masculine dude. And I try and approach most of my situations with people who work with me on an emotional level where I try and understand like where the emotions are coming from, why they might be upset, like how I can make um, their job, like either less shitty or just try and engage with them in a way that like, they know that they're heard and that I can respond in a way that like makes them feel more fulfilled than just trying to say like, well, don't do that anymore. Or I'm going to talk to that person. And so I was having one of these difficult conversations with one of my team members in a semi public place. And this other manager, um, who shall not be named basically told my team member to man up. And she's a woman, and she was, like, talking about how these other team members were, like, like not only not working hard enough, but they were, like, kind of, like, giving her shit about, like, the work that she does. And this guy, like, interjects himself in a conversation I'm having with someone who works for me. He's just like, you just need to man up, you know, like, 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 can't be, like, a bitch about this kind of thing. And I turned to him, and I said, listen, this is not your conversation, and you could never say man up to any of my team members ever again. I was like, this is my team, and I'm going to run it the way I want. And if you say man up, I was 
Like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. I don't mm-hmm. know what your intentions are in thinking that that's going to solve anything mm-hmm. by acting more masculine. Yep. Like, like this was a situation that was, a, like, a little bit more delicate that, like, I needed to hear, like, from one side and then hear from the other side and, like, bring it together in a way that, like, we can resolve these issues in a way that, like, we can continue to work alongside one another. And I don't think manning up is ever, like, the solution to anything. Yeah. I don't know if that means... What does that even mean? Yeah, like, suck up your emotions and just, like, carry on with your work. (laughs) Like, carry on on the work that you're probably underpaid for. Yeah. And also, like, you can't even act the... Like, be the person that you are. You're saying man up to, like, even, like, someone who identifies as a female. Yeah. Like, like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man up is, like, a... Is a phrase that, like, really drives me crazy. That and, like, boys will be boys and, like, grow a pair. Like, that type of language is just, like, it's it's really problematic. And I I really, I strive to, like, if I hear that, I try to call someone to, into a conversation just as, as you did. And I think that's so important, like, not to necessarily embarrass them for saying that, but to just explain, like, hey, meet them where they're at. I think that's the most important thing you can do is like meeting somewhere where they're at um, in order to explain because if you call them out on it, it's just like they they don't want to hear it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you've made some uh, some really like positive strides in your workplace. So that's really yeah. cool. And like not, not to completely disparage this person who's a manager who I work with because mm-hmm. he came – from rock bottom, he was uh, he was an immigrant from Jamaica. He really worked hard. He barely knew the language. Mm-hmm. He like suffers from like all these things that I don't have to deal with. And so his natural reaction to like say that you just need to like be more mask or be more aggressive has served him very well in a society that's basically shat on his entire existence of for course. being here. So it's like really hard to like strike this balance where it's like in this situation, I don't think I can enact change, but I can at least demonstrate to the people I work with that that kind of language doesn't fly around me. Mm-hmm. And then later try and engage and be like, listen, this is the reason why I called you out. And like, maybe you're gonna, you can hear it. Maybe you can't, but like, I need to do what's best for the people that I work with because I have direct control over like how they are treated and it's something that like is a point of pride for me because I always tell people like don't fuck with my team because because <laughs> I'm out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you think it is that like causes um, a woman or a man or anyone really to kind of like use that box to put people in? Like, men are supposed to be strong; they're not supposed to have emotions. They're supposed to just like kind of pass them by and not really embrace those feelings. What is it about masculinity that capitalism, (laughs) (laughs) the great destroyer? (laughs) Yeah, basically. I mean, like not to go too in depth because I'm sure everyone has heard a lot about it, but at least in this form of like masculinity is this idea of, of self value and self worth and how that looks in the media and how that's portrayed by both like famous and affluent individuals by folks with like great wealth and power if you like call to your mind like let me think of like a really powerful wealthy person you know in general you're going to probably think of like some rich older white man kind Mm -hmm. of thing um one of those kevin spacey house of cards Uh, types that like we know are extremely problematic and awful people and i think Especially when you're like not from here and you come here and you're trying to learn the rules. The only rules that we have are these capitalistic rules and they're guided by masculinity. And so to say man up is to say like be better at this game that like these rich people invented. That's how you get ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scream it. <laughs> it is not right. Kind of like switching gears a little bit, I guess, then 
how do you feel like capitalism kind of affects our like day-to-day life in terms of like our gender identity? In terms of gender identity, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story from sure. today, for example, because sure. um, uh, capitalism affects like everything we do. It's just the system that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me today, I kind of look like a queer punk pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's the shiny gold septum ring. Maybe it's the purple hair. Maybe it's like <laughs> everything. Uh-huh. I don't know. But my thing on Long Island that I'm trying to get used to as a new homeowner is like going to Home Depot and nothing puts like a, like a light, <laughs> like shines a light on you as a queer person shopping in a Home Depot around some of the most masculine folks you'll ever meet. Yep. <laughs> that. And that's like, that's part of capitalism of shapes. Like I'm trying to like, unfortunately shop for things. I'm looking at tools. I'm wondering which one of these hedge clippers is going to be better, but like, I don't want to spend too much money. And all this while, like someone like, everyone's like walking by and like doing that double take and like the up and down and just like saying like, who is this person? Who is this dude? It's mm-hmm. like, and it just kind of feels like really shitty. And I think my punk background, um, and I know that sounds like the lamest thing, but like I grew no. up like in punk culture, mm-hmm. um, in, in New York city, which was really like welcoming and like helped me like resist. And so like when I see people like that, I'm just like, like give them one of those shit stares and those resting bitch faces. It's mm-hmm. like, but not everyone ha- is equipped to do that. And yeah. like, so I think if I didn't have that kind of strength, I learned going to like Home Depot would be super intimidating. And I remember the first two times I went to like a hardware store, I felt like really awkward and out of place and I didn't want to do it. I had a lot of anxiety. I was like, I have to go in there and navigate this big store on these big hunky dudes who are like, oh, Mr. Fix-It. And I have to navigate in a way where I'm just like, I'm just trying to make my flowers pretty. (laughs) Totally. Um, Different, but I guess similar is like last week was like one of the first times I've ever been to a Lowe's by myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was just to get flowers and even that I felt like I was just like racing through the aisles just like all right pick out what you need and get out of here you know no one else wants you here (laughs) and like it's shitty to feel like that but Mm -hmm. I too like I'll I'll feel anxious about it and then there's this like I don't have a punk inside I was I was more on the scene the scene end of Mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. but like that little sceney bopper Dina (laughs) is kind of like fuck all y'all yeah yeah I'm gonna get my flowers and I'm gonna leave (laughs) we are going to take another quick break and when we come back um it's going to be a surprise what we're talking about so (laughs) stay tuned Welcome back. We were just laughing about chins. Yeah. <laughs> and how sexy they are. Sexy chins. 
All right, so I kind of wanted to jump in a little bit more about capitalism because I think it's something really important to acknowledge that the system that we live under does affect us in so many different ways that we don't really think about. Evan and Sid both are super knowledgeable about this and I feel like I learn all the time from them. So in terms of when we're thinking about like violence against marginalized groups or in, such as women or immigrants or trans folks, whoever it may be, how do you feel like capitalism and like the system that we live in affects or impacts um, impacts those groups or impacts violence in general against those groups? Um, that's a huge <laughs> question. Oh, I was just um, putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much that goes into it. Uh, so I'm a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I sound cool with the punk rock and stuff, but like. <laughs> I also spent a lot of time sorting my magic cards and playing Dungeons and Dragons and watching anime. Anyway, but when I think about capitalism, I think about uh, The Wealth of Nations, book written by Adam Smith, Mm -hmm. 18th century. And he basically designed or like described the entire system that we have today. And a lot of people talk about how capitalism is about the value of the work you do, the value of the individual, the value added to society as a whole. And they don't talk about um, that Adam Smith actually wrote a lot about how that just leads to power abuse, that he was describing a system where a society can function based on value added to society, but that people would rise to the top and then begin to specifically cause violence to minorities and women and like trans folks or like any marginalized group. Like it just happens. It's the way the world kind of works. And I think that capitalism as a system at the point that we're at in what we call late stage capitalism, there's so much value in everything. Everything we look around has like a dollar value to it. Like Mm -hmm. I was talking earlier that like when I'm shopping, I'm like value conscious. Like we, we look at people with, and we immediately judge their social and economic standing. It's just ingrained in us, you know, from like our earliest points of like, whether like your, your value as a society is based on having like a college degree and working a nine to five and wearing a suit. And like, that's all value. And I think that anyone who exists outside of those like narrow rule sets that, that exist in society mm-hmm. are automatically considered worthless. Absolutely. If you're given like, if you put a dollar value on like on a human being, the beings who don't operate the way that you want them to do basically have no dollar value. And so they're considered worthless. And that's why society shits all over them. That's why women only had the power to vote like less than a hundred years ago mm-hmm. because they didn't add any value to society other than just like staying at home or like working the shittiest jobs. And I think today when we look at it, we're more conscious of that because we have these grand moments in history where a lot of people stood up and said, like, this is not okay. But we and then we assume that we're past it, but we're not. Mm -hmm. And I see this every day in my job. I see that I work with um, someone at my old store and he is one of those like very, very intelligent white dudes. Mm -hmm. And he told me. That, like, sexism isn't really real. Like, some people are just sexists, but society as a whole has kind of gotten over that. And I told him to look around. I was like, there's a reason why most of the managers in this store are men. And it's not because of, like, this conscious sexism. It's just the way that we analyze the value of an individual and the attributes and value that, like, I believe that, like, women bring to everything in the world Mm -hmm. are not recognized by people who are in power. Like, they're looking for, like I said earlier, like, someone to man up, someone who can be hypercritical, someone who could really, like, 
you know, worked more than 40 hours and like pedal to the metal and like nose of the grindstone. And like, that's what the value that people want. And so when you have groups who are like looking for real value, like when we talk about like having values and like caring for one another and like expressing that sense of like love and satisfaction and contentment and like really taking care of like the folks that, that are around us, where's the value that we add to this system that we live in. Where does that value that adds to society? To me, a great value. Yeah. To capitalism, no value. And yeah. so, like, we don't have systems to support it, and so people just get, like, crushed under that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All very vital information. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, like, knowing all of this and knowing the way that, like, capitalism functions and knowing the way that it controls us, even on an unconscious level... How do you kind of fight back? How do you try to fight against a system that is so ingrained in all of us? What are some things that you personally do to try and take a step back from that? Well, I will say that I am not an expert on this. No, and it's okay. It's okay. Um, Neither am I. <laughs> I'm basically plowing ahead in my life and trying to do what's right. So by no means is this the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was young, I think... Any male listeners mm-hmm. um, would empathize with, and, and maybe all genders, but like I'm talking from specifically a male perspective that I've felt in the male community is that when you're young and you're intelligent and you like read a lot, you think you've got it all figured out mm-hmm. and you think that you can play the game and like break the rules. And that's kind of like my perspective and how I operated was I said to myself, I'm really smart, I'm really good, and I'm really nice to people. And I think that the industry that I work in, which is retail, I could very easily like keep getting promoted until I'm a place of power. And then I could wield that power to the benefit of those who work with and work for me. That's worked for me because of my specific skill, skill set. Mm-hmm. And because when I was 22, I decided that and now I'm 30 and I don't have any choice but to continue <laughs> following that. So for me, a lot of it is challenging, but like I have that privilege of power. I have that privilege of coming from um, a decent amount of like money in the way I was raised mm-hmm. that I am comfortable creating these like very difficult conversations with people who are wielding, wielding their power in an irresponsible way. Or whether I see two people who work for me, one is like maybe a little like misogynistic. Like I can call out that behavior mm-hmm. and like create a discussion about it and really like try and challenge folks to like think more critically about where that those actions come from and their impact on like everyone because they're those kind of like casual like sexist or misogynistic comments create a society or add to this society that like allows it to pervade yeah of course it adds yeah it adds to rape culture Mm -hmm. totally and again i want to say like i think it's so amazing that you're doing this in an environment where people aren't even expecting that you know they're expecting to go to work and do their thing like in the retail business they're not going and thinking that they're going to get um, a conversation about how it's important to express your emotions and how it's important <laughs> not to be an asshole. Uh, yeah, very important not be an asshole. Yeah, and I think that that's so cool that you're using your power, you're wielding your power in that way. I think that's so important, and I'm hoping honestly that listeners like are inspired by this because I know for a fact that my listeners are not all social workers, they're not all from the human service field. So I think it's just really important to get that message out there that we can all do this work. 
work. And we're all totally capable of mm-hmm. doing these things. And even though in the moment, I'm sure these are not like super comfortable conversations to have in the first few times, I'm sure it's wildly uncomfortable. And you're oh like, yeah. Okay. I get anxiety all the time yeah, about them. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So it's, it's just important to like kind of stick to your guns on it and do what you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more than one way to kind of reach out to someone that's doing that. Like, well, Evan might do it in person and kind of face it head on. Maybe it would be easier for you to shoot an email or send a text like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we could talk about this in private. Or if you want to just talk about it over text, I just wanted to let you know that something you said was really uncomfortable, not just for me, but for other people in our, our work environment. So there's definitely like different ways you can handle it. Honestly, that like head on approach that like Evan seems to have really like nailed, like it it really seems to work like when he talks about, and that's really a big reason I wanted to have you on was it's really inspiring to hear about how you've really like harnessed this power in this positive way in in a work environment that I would never even think to use that. That's pretty damn cool. Thank you. Yeah. So after all of this work that you do, you know, like you're working and you're doing your retail stuff and you're also emotionally working, like you're putting in all this work, you must feel kind of exhausted. Oh, all the time. <laughs> so I drink lots of coffee. So <laughs> what are some of your self-care coping strategies? <laughs> it's it's hard. Um, honestly, I still am trying to figure out how to take better care of myself in like a response responsible way Mm -hmm. you know obviously like as Dina probably knows I consume a lot of illicit substances (laughs) Um, I have a beer right next to me because it relaxes me on my day off but outside of those um, which I honestly still feel like are more running away from things and like shelving them for later when like I'm really taking care of myself it's usually when I'm reading or writing creatively Mm -hmm. Um, for me like something that I've always, I've always been a very passionate reader. I was always consuming books every week as a kid and as a teen. And as I've grown older and like learned more about the way the world works and the way that we communicate and the way that we use our words with power to me, like I'm taking care of myself when I'm like creating worlds of more balance or like challenging these ideas and like really getting this like emotional and creative energy out on a paper when I'm like writing poetry or working on like fantasy writing or even just like jumping into like a book. I love trashy fantasy novels. (laughs) Um, I don't know if there are any fantasy readers out there, but Patrick Rothfuss is a fantastic fantasy writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be able to like separate myself from this world that mostly doesn't give a shit about me and jumping into a world where like you get to follow a character who truly has an impact and like using that as like energy to inspire me to like be better, to like go out there and maybe not like fight demons and like Mm -hmm. wield a sword, (laughs) but, but like it gives me like that kind of like nice, like comfortable energy to say like, no, like, like power and like abilities comes from within and comes from this sense of like pride and challenging and like creating these moments where like we could seize them and like make a difference and like that's the work but when I'm reading about it I'm just like in the zone and I'm yeah. feeling good and hopefully there's like sun shining and I'm in mm-hmm. lying in grass and like that's like the cool stuff that takes care of me yeah totally totally and even when you're doing self-care I think you're subconsciously like getting yourself like kind of hyped for walking back into your work environment, whatever environment it is to be able to call someone into an uncomfortable situation, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty damn cool. I 
love to hear like when men are using self-care because I think that it's something that like unfortunately is super feminized and like Mm -hmm. there's this idea like only women have time for that and that's bullshit that's bullshit we know it um it's not something that like self-care doesn't have a gender yeah (laughs) (laughs) self-care is (laughs) non-binary um but I think it's it's awesome to figure out what feels best for you and what works best for you and testing things out and seeing like what works and what doesn't is so important. And when I was like super low and like sick the last few months and as I was healing, like I literally tried everything, like anything I could think of and every list of like self-care suggestions, I would touch on everything. And there were things that worked for me and things that didn't. Um, I, at the beginning, when I would try to meditate, I, like two, not even two minutes in, I was like, I'm going to crawl out of my skin. Like I can't, <laughs> I cannot do this. I've never successfully meditated. <laughs> <laughs> I've sat still for maybe eight seconds once in my life and yeah. that was the extent of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really difficult for me to meditate. But when I get to that state now, like it, I have to do those like guided ones. It feels really great. And that's one of my biggest, I would say most successful self-care things it's just 10 minutes a day just like sitting in silence and not doing anything especially for me someone that loves to be busy at every moment of the day I love being productive and when my partner stare at the wall for half an hour after work I was like what the is he doing (laughs) wielding energy like I don't know what he's doing over there but now that's totally me I'm just like I stare off into space for a little and sometimes you need that time you need that time to just kind of like not be focused on anything and I posted about this on cues earlier today but someone posted that busyness like extreme busyness is a is like a trauma response um which I thought was really interesting that idea that someone who has faced trauma um instead of necessarily facing it head-on will keep themselves busy at every point of every day so their mind is always racing so they don't have to think about those negative things that happen to mm-hmm. them um, because it's uncomfortable it's really uncomfortable to sit with that and when I got sick I think that was a big thing for me was like I just wanted to rush into feeling better and I was doing everything and anything I could to get through it instead of just like sitting and being like hey I'm feeling really shitty because these like traumatic events kind of fucked me up (laughs) and let me reflect on that. And the second I actually reflected and started writing about it and getting it out there and even talking about it on my last episode, really therapeutic. Um, And that's not to say that healing is going to work in the same way for anyone or self-care is the same for everyone. It's not. Um, It's something super unique and individual for, for everyone. So Um, but yeah, I would just, uh, totally recommend to like try things out and talk to people about self-care. It's important to give your friends and family and partners reminders that it's important to take care of yourself too. So I'm just trying to like not be as busy, trying to not take on too much and using that as my, uh, my major self-care lately. All right. We're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back and we are going to For sticking around today on getting inclusive, um, we are going to kind of finish up today's episode with a PSA. <laughs> Evan wants to uh, just chat with you, fellas, 
and yeah. about uh, some stuff. He's got some stuff. I want to talk to the dudes in the audience on something that I've been working on for a very long time, and it's don't be a shitty dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of them out there. I think uh, if you're a Long Island native, there's plenty of them on <laughs> Main Street Patchog. And something that like I tell everyone I know, especially the dudes I know, is to, like stop being shitty. And when I say that, I mean like re- like listening, responding, being more empathetic, resisting like your initial response, like really challenging yourself to say, where does this emotion come from or where does this response come from? It was something that like was ingrained in me with therapy for like years mm-hmm. was being like a young impulsive kid with ADHD. Uh, my therapists were always just like like think about what you're about to say before you say it. And I didn't realize it until I was an adult. I was like, wait a second, this is actually preparing me to be like a much better dude because I think a lot of our natural reactions of like aggression and like hypermasculinity and like these ideas of like power and like strutting around like knowledge and mansplaining things and like the like what Dina talks about with like rape culture and the way that we sexualize people, like really think about like if you care about those things, think for a moment in every moment whether or not the next thing that you're about to say is going to create more of that in the world or like whether or not you can reduce the amount of like dude shittiness in the world and creating like better spaces so that like we can be out there and we can show up for one another and like encourage one another with better behaviors and that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't be shitty, dudes. Hell yeah. Hell like, yeah. Sit down so and important. listen. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's really important. I think like something that women are taught from like day one is active listening. And I don't think men are necessarily taught the same thing. Um, how to like listen to actually understand instead of just like listen to hear. Um, but those things that you're talking about, like thinking before you speak, it sounds so simple, but think about how your words are going to affect another person. It will change. It will change the way the culture is right now. And those types of behaviors will help to end rape culture. And it's so important that we have those voices out there and it will start small. It already has started small. We see little things here and there. Like the fact that you're out there doing this work in like a retail environment is so big, you know, that's not something to like overlook, but as a caveat to active listening, don't like, if you find yourself waiting for someone to stop speaking so that you can say something that's not like listening and planning Mm -hmm. that's just waiting to talk yeah you're listening to respond which yeah that's also shitty (laughs) (laughs) but also like don't interrupt people so there's got to be like a balance there's got to be a balance you'll figure it out guys you'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely um yeah anything else anything any last uh things you wanted to mention here today no, just a lot of appreciation for someone wanting to like talk to me about the things that I do and who I am. And like, <laughs> it's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And Evan's intro at the beginning, like, that is just a tiny little like eyeball into him. It's not, Evan is just this, uh, I wish you all could meet Evan. <laughs> <laughs> He's this giant personality full of fun and ideas and seriousness too. Yes, Very serious. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Evan, for being here. Your insight was super important for listeners, and I'm so excited to get it out there. Um, Thank you to Mr. TV Man, as always, for providing the music. And thank you to me for putting this together. Thank you, Dina. Thank Thank you, Dina, for putting this out there in the world. A little (laughs) self-gratitude. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time to Getting Inclusive. Getting Inclusive.